Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you and with me turn to Acts chapter 4. And we need to be praying for our junior church workers this morning. Just, just pray for them. <clears throat> I want to welcome every single one of you this morning to Big Woods Bible Church. What a joy, what a privilege it is to do this. You, you do realize that a lot of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, throughout and around the world, do not get the privilege to do this. <clears throat> I was driving here this morning, and just the, the way that the clouds were kind of settling low, you could see the green hills above them. And I was listening to a song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and there's this phrase that says, Tune my heart, tune my heart to sing thy praise. And, and you know, the Lord really does that. So some of you who have gathered this morning, you're like, I, I, need, I need my heart tuned. And, and my prayer this morning as we gather as brothers and sisters in Christ and the word is opened up before us and, and I know that many people are struggling some, some heavy burdens and are under some stresses and strain. May we be encouraged with the fact that the Holy Spirit is real and the Holy Spirit is real powerful, that he is amongst us and he tunes our heart so we sing of him. Just so that you are aware, if you are visiting with us, um, it has um, been a series that we've been involved in. I've been preaching through the book of Genesis about five months for the summertime. A lot of times I break for kind of a, a lighter summer series. And so we've been involved in what I call Church 101, why we do what we do. And so really, really basics, like what about preaching? Why do we do that? And we've looked at praying. Last week we looked at serving uh, this week, we're going to look at giving. We'll look at fellowship and encouragement. We'll look at membership and church leadership in the weeks to come. But today, as I said, we're, we're focusing on the subject of giving. And if you are visiting here with us this morning, you can be assured, like, this doesn't happen all the time. So I'm sorry you picked this week. I was looking back in my schedule. It's been well over a year since we've even addressed this subject. But it's something that we do why is it that we do what we do? So we're kind of tuning our hearts to the word before us, and we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and make it clear as far as examining the responsibilities we have of being wise stewards of God's goodness and God's grace. Would you bow your heads and pray with me before we launch into our text this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we do... Thank you. Thank you for who you are. The fact that we get to lift up our voices in praise and we can sit together and have your word open before us and, and listen to it. And I pray, Lord, that we would not hear from an individual, but we would hear from you. Lord, I pray for people at this very hour going through seasons of struggle and strain. We thank you, Lord, for those that are overseas serving you faithfully. We give praise for a safe arrival of Jean in Belize and Aaron and Brianna Way and dear little Ellen in South Sudan. We, we pray as well for those battling sickness and illness. We pray for Art Gray and Todd Karstetter. Father, we just thank you that we can 
live life alongside of one another. We can bear one another's burdens, but we can ultimately lay our burdens at your feet. And this morning, Lord, I don't want to be selfish, but I do want to ask for help and guidance and clarity as your word is presented. May all of this be for your glory. Please help me. May the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be pleasing unto you. O oh Lord, we ask this in the amazing and wonderful, matchless and powerful, majestic name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. Last week we looked at, and we know just like our serving, today we kind of focus on our giving that we do as a local church. It, it offers and it brings both blessings and benefits. It's interesting that not only are there blessings and benefits from our serving and giving to others, but most importantly, it's what? It's for the glory of God. Whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. So we serve and we give for his glory. And, and I know that whenever we address the subject, you even put these two words in the same sentence, giving and church in the same sentence, we run the risk of misunderstanding at some level. Most of all, I believe it comes from a misused, a confused, and I would even use the term abused, hijacking of this subject from the televangelist pleading for more so that what so jesse duplantis can have his private jet to fly him from place to place or what or perhaps even worse the peddling of what a false prosperity gospel with such worn taglines and tactics such as a Todd Kuntz on television who routinely wears a suit, pulls out a Bible, and urges people to pledge a very specific amount. And I quote, don't delay, don't delay. Money is a turnaround seed. If you plant a $333 seed, the amount will come back to you. Multiply it. It's an investment into your faith and your future, end quote. And we hear stuff like that. And what happens? Millions of dollars, millions of dollars are squandered. I found it rather fascinating to note that Pastor Todd Kuntz was last February in 2021, two years ago now in February, was convicted of tax evasion and tax fraud and is serving five years in a federal penitentiary in, in Florida. At some, at some level, the subject of giving and money does really weird things in people's lives, and sadly, even in the church. And so what is the result is that the tendency is that we overcorrect. And so we're what? We don't, we don't want to address the subject. We don't want to have a sense of confusion. And so the subject of giving and tithing and monies at all just kind of like push to the side, which I will tell you this, and I confess, that's wrong. It's wrong. You realize that Jesus spoke more about the subject of money than he did heaven, hell, and sex. Money is a big deal at some level. Not just throughout the pages of Scripture, but in the ministry of Jesus himself. Therefore, what? He said, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of 
God. Therefore, what? There is careful instructions on what we are supposed to do with what God has blessed us with. That's the reason we look at why we do what we do. Think what's happening here. Let's go big picture. We kind of pan back. If we are to give and we teach faithfully, if we're to give sacrificially and we are to give joyfully so that God is glorified, we do it simply because what? We're returning back to him what is already his in the first place. The psalmist accurately wrote in Psalms chapter 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything, everything, in it. It says every good gift comes down from the Father above. I remember what preaching way back 2016, 17, an entire series, probably two months, reminding you what? It was called It's Not Yours. Like, let's get it through our minds here of what's happening. Absolutely true. Everything comes from the Lord. So, whenever we talk about this subject of giving, whether or not it's our time, which is valuable, the giving of our tithe, our monies, or our talents as a local church here at Big Woods, it's not, it's not really ever about focusing on a particular amount. $333 is a seed gift. No, 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 no. We never go there. It's about something different. It's rather about the subject of stewardship. The definition of a steward is one who manages or looks after another person's property. Stewardship is the job of taking care of something that is not yours. Or more broadly, we talk about the fact it's not just stewardship, it's our lifestyle. It's literally how we live. Think about what we do, what I do with every single cent. What we do with every single minute, not just a portion of our money or our time, actually says something about our view of God and what he means to us. What we do with every single minute, what we do with every single cent, says something about our view of God and what he means to us. And so it's in light of that that we learn to hold very, very lightly ultimately what is his and to offer back as much as we possibly can. Three things I want to give to you this morning. Number one is this, giving sacrificially glorifies God by enabling good deeds to be done to advance his kingdom. Daniel Nauta, who's our summer intern, and I appreciate his willingness to serve as Pastor Aaron is overseas for the summer. And, and, he, and he said something, maybe you picked up on it or not, and we say it almost every single week, almost, not every single, but almost, about the fact that we participate, what, in worship through our giving. Little boxes on the wall. Remember in the old-fashioned days, we used to pass a basket? Remember the old-fashioned days before 2020? The year 2020. 
or you can you can mail in it and there's instruction or you can go online and click this button and it gets really confusing but you can do it but do you ever do you ever pause for a moment so so you drop something in do you ever pause and consider what exactly happens how does your contribution your hard-earned dollars enable the church to support the work of the gospel both here locally and abroad globally so you look around you're like well sure there's a building that we keep air conditioning on in the summer and heat in the winter and, and there's certainly the funding of, 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 of staff at the church that allows them to serve without having to work outside and to focus on what God has called us to. But intentionally, and hopefully you see, it's, it's designed to surround around the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God and directing our attention off of ourselves to the Lord in worship and our discipleship ministries and our ministries to children. It's enabling ministries to build up and encourage one another as members of the local church, teaching them, edifying them. You've got muscles. You've got to be instructed on how to use those for the building up of the body and for the glory of God. Or how about our foreign missions as we even, thank you, gotcha so much for just reminding us. And we have to be praying tomorrow for Eric and Jalen as they head off to the Philippines. Our foreign missions, just within this one body, what? Indonesia is represented, the Philippines are represented, Brazil, Senegal, the Middle East. Or also think about when you put something in the box or you click a button that says, here, take a portion of this, of what that does, and even providing for members in our own midst who go through what, as we probably all have done at some chapter of our life, some financial stress or struggle. There's a benevolence ministry that we look left or right and people within our own body are cared for as what I know. At some time, all of us, every one of us have been broken down the side of the road and we're like, excuse me here, I need some help. Like that happens. The church comes alongside. And what happens? It, it, it draws us closer and closer together. I don't think we see this any better. I don't think there's a, a more clear biblical example of this than in the first century New Testament church, just as Kimber kind of alluded to in Acts chapter 4. Let me direct your attention to verses 32 through 35. <clears throat> and I just... I just, I know, I know that, that God in his sovereignty allowed us to be born in the time and the season that he allowed us to be born in. But oh, I, I missed some of this. And I know it was hard, but there's something that happened. And so we kind of close our eyes and let's just kind of travel back to what the infancy of the local church when they are desperately reliant they didn't have the fancy things and the comforts and the AC and the sound systems that we enjoy today. And they huddled in homes together, terrified that someone's going to bust the door down and drag them into the street and beat them to death. They're desperately reliant, A, upon the Lord and upon one another. Listen to this. Acts 4.32. Now the full number of those who believed 
We're of one heart and soul. Man, we could preach a whole, we could preach a whole series just on that. They were just of one heart, one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. It's not mine. Yeah, this, like, this, this isn't mine. Nobody said that. But they had everything in common. Look at these two phrases. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And here's the other one. With great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. My goodness, it sounds like socialism, but we can't go there. And I'm not going there. I'm talking about how the church used to function, and I believe how the church should still function. Two phrases we direct our attention to. I am struck with this. Great power. Something happens when the apostles were opening up the word and preaching it. Well, it didn't happen. It didn't look just like our leather-bound ones today. No, no, but they, they, were, they were diving into the depths, singing the Psalter together. And focusing their attention on God. And they were speaking of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the lessons that they had learned. And they're writing it down. There's great power. And what happens? Something internally was ignited. That the power from without ignites a great grace from within. And when that happens, what? It's like, it's like pouring gasoline on a fire. It leads to something, and it's called great sacrifice. Paul later encourages the Corinthians to give generously, and he, and he uses the same phrase, the same word. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, see that you excel in this act of grace also. He continues on, motivated by the love like Jesus Christ had. You know the grace of Jesus, though he was rich, became poor for your sake, so that through his poverty, you might be made rich. It's the great exchange. It, 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 it lives and breathes with this offering of himself, so that we are rich in his grace, it breathes sacrifice. Secondly, number two, giving sacrificially helps us to control our spending on things that may not be good for us. Well, I came to church today to be encouraged, and Pastor Tim, you're just like really just coming right at it. You know, there is, there is, there is an almost infallible human rule. Here it is. Spending expands to fill income. Spending expands to fill income. That means what? If you make more, you buy more. 
And, and the things that you then, what, you incur, we know what has to happen. You have to, like, take care of them and give attention to them and, like, dust them off. You have to store them properly. You have to make sure that they are repaired and they are protected and they are insured. And so the more that you incur, it takes more time. It takes more effort. It takes more thought. It takes more money. Some people, which interesting, desire more, even more than you already have. And then there's others that don't really desire anymore. You ever meet people that they're just like content with their life? But, but you do realize this. The more that you have, the more burden you will have. I love the phrase that talks about the fact that we are tenters. You know that. I've been very honest. I hate tenting. Like that whole camping idea is just a dumb idea. Sleeping outside and mosquitoes and cold. You can be sleeping in your own bed. But this idea of what tenters is that, like, you don't just live in a tent. You do it for a night when the grandkids come over, just because that's what good pop-pop and memes do. But we don't live in tents. But in a sense, what? We are sojourners. We are pilgrims. We're tenters. We're just kind of moving through this place. And for some reason, people really think that it's all about here. I had not really heard this before. We were actually discussing, I think it was Friday morning prayer, and the words of King Solomon... And we're like, well, King Solomon can say this. He had an entire garage filled with Ferraris. But actually, King Solomon says this in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 9. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Doesn't that kind of sound a little familiar to someone else who taught us how to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Give us this day our daily bread. Do, do you think for a moment, just think in your prayer life that you actually pray this, Lord, uh, keep me from poverty. We all, we all pray that one. But we don't really pray, keep me from riches. Now, now we have all heard this Money is not bad. And so we, we pull out the verse, and we know in 1 Timothy it says, but the love of money is the root of all evil. Just pause on that for a moment. Where did we, where did we start this morning? As I read in Matthew chapter 19. Where, where did we we, we read earlier even the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say? It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And it's, it's in a sense, it's period. It's not, he, he did not say it's harder for a rich man who loves his money. He, he doesn't say that. No, he says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of it. Why? Because it is so easy for us to kind of be drawn and distracted. Thus the reason, welcome to what? 21st century America, the wealthiest place and time that has ever existed in the history of the world. John Piper kind of calls it 
what it is. And he says this, money is dangerous. If you have it and depend on it, it'll kill you. Piper says, if you don't have it and crave it, it'll kill you. Money can kill us. Why, he says, because it reveals our hearts. End quote. And that is so true. Think, think how the giving, think of how giving goes wrong. In, in the local church, is the person who gives so minimally, so minusculely, is that a word, minusculely, tiny, that it's just kind of like, like dusting the guilt off of them. They give so minimally. Why? Because they are so captured by the things of this world. The fleeting things of this world that we're tending through. It's giving gone. Or the person who gives or serves to a point that what? Is only deemed acceptable because it's the person next to them who sees how much they're giving or how much they're serving. So it's just like, it's just enough to keep other people happy. Just, just keep on my back. It's giving gone wrong. We examine that, and my heart cry, and I wrote this down, is ugh. My heart cries, this is not, this is not what it is. Rather, I don't know if this is the best analogy or not, rather what we need to be doing is this, is we, we push all of our chips in. We push everything in and we bet everything on the kingdom of God. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get to heaven to meet the little old lady, the single missionary who said just, I'm in. All of it, I'm in. Do you, do you realize the faithfulness to her reward? Rather than being distracted and worried and frazzled, how are we going to afford private batting lessons for our son? This is just too difficult for us. Like that's some of the battles that people are going with right now. Well, she has to have dance lessons. What about the other kids in school? She can't go to school on the first day without the best and the brand new. No, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not betting everything on the kingdom of God, people. And I, and I say that to you as much, with as much love as I can. My responsibility is to reward, re- remind you that your reward is not found here. Don't be tricked, don't be fooled, don't live uh, like the rest of the world. And there's many, many blessings and benefits that, what, that comes when we just give ourselves to the Lord. Give ourselves to the body of Christ, to the local church. There is a joy that comes. It increases our own faith. Our testimony just this week, somebody who stepped out on faith, and I don't know, Lord, but I'm in your hands, and the Lord just kind of just silently slid them a little bit more to remind them, I've got you safe in my hand. Don't you worry about it. It's a form of sanctification for us. Giving and serving are for our 
good. Certainly the blessing of others, but ultimately for the glory of God. And I want to include this. I was wrestling with this. It's the third point I want to remind you of this morning. Giving sacrificially also brings blessing and benefits into your own life. And there is a sense of joy, no doubt. There is a sense of increasing in our faith. And we're growing in this process of what? Progressive sanctification. But giving sacrificially actually brings something. And, and in no way does this truth align. Let me be very clear with the fraudulent tactics that we see and, and hear of today that I kind of addressed earlier. It's, it's not the prosperity God. If you only give more, then you'll be healed from your sickness and your diseases. And your kids will get like great grades if you just gave a little bit more. No, that's, that's garbage. That's from the pit of hell. But, but also, that does not mean we push aside the rest of Scripture. We're actually what? We are, we are told we cannot neglect the truth. Very last, very last Old Testament, minor prophet Malachi. And remember, just kind of the ups and downs of the Israelites. And there's a voice crying in the wilderness, and there's a sense of repent and repent and repent, and there's seasons of obedience. And then there's seasons of such turmoil. And what, in a sense, before the, the silent years, before everything goes dark for a long time, it says this in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. This is the Lord speaking, and he says this. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Now, we know tithe means, in a sense, a tenth, and this is Old Testament. We live under grace. We don't live under law. So we don't preach necessarily this is what must happen, but this is a great place to start. This is a great place to start. It says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That's what this place is. This is the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And then God says this. He makes this statement that it's almost like, what? And there, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more Need. He says, test me and watch. The New American Standard says, what, test me until it overflows. The NIV says, test me and there will not be room enough to store it. It demands faith. This is an amazing, almost unique challenge from God, but he says what? You think, you think for a moment that you can't trust me? You think for a moment that you can't afford to give in a sacrificial way? And he says, test me, and you will find that we cannot afford not to give that way. And this is not a guarantee of getting rich. That's not what we're talking about here, but it is a guarantee. What does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, right after the chapter that we looked at earlier? It is a guarantee that says what? God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Just think for a moment what's going to happen. 
as he opens up what? The gates of heaven and pours down. What do we need as a local church? What do you need as you lead your family, as you seek to love your kids, as you display patience with one another, as we step on one another's toes all the time? What do we need? We need to abound in grace. And God says, I'll give it to you. I will lavishly pour out for you everything. Why? So you can abound in every single good work. I don't know about you. I don't want to like scrape by in mediocrity. I don't want to just like, like fall over dead and be like, well, you know, he tried a little bit on occasion. I, I don't want that. I don't want that for you. I don't want to be the church that's known like we're just kind of keeping the doors open. No, 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 that's not enough. God has called us to what? Every single day, kind of scratch eternity. I pour into the hearts and souls around us and people are what? You're like saving up to buy new sneakers. Think of that. And you and I will stand before the Lord. He says, I gave you what? I gave you many minutes and I gave you many cents. What have you done with it? Take risk to serve God. They kind of like bust out the door and it's like, well, the planning doesn't go well in the budget. No, take risks to serve in the local church. Push everything in and bet it on the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have to remember who we're serving. We are serving in all-powerful. And let me remind you, we're serving in all-knowing God. Other people don't see what you have stuffed, okay, under your mattress or hidden here or tucked here. They don't need to see it. They don't need, they don't want to. But God knows it all. God knows where you are putting your faith. God knows where you are putting your trust in the world, the things of this world, or in him, in all-knowing and an all-powerful God. You can shine up and look really, really pretty. And you can tell people all kinds of things that are really impressive. You will never, ever hide or deceive in all-knowing God. What are you worshiping? Some of you are like, wow, no, no, honestly, like, I'm working hard on this, honestly. And, and I totally, God has blessed this church in amazing ways, in amazing ways. Our testimony, testimony, year after year, decade after decade. And I know that there are many people that are sacrificially giving. I'm going to leave you with two things. Number one, continue to persevere through Christ's power. Second Thessalonians says this in, in chapter 3, verse 13, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired. Why? Why? Why is he saying don't be weary in doing good? Why? Because it happens all the time. People get tired of serving. Understandably, people get tired of giving. And there's something that's like real. It's called compassion fatigue. Like I'm just bent. 
Like you're preaching to the choir here. I'm offering everything. And I'm not trying to add guilt to anyone. I'm saying let's examine how we're serving. Is it what? Is it in your power? Or is it in Christ's power? People get so tired of serving and giving month after month, year after year, that weariness sets in. And what is the tendency? I'm just going to pull back and I'm just going to stop. And last week we talked about this. There are seasons of rest. No doubt. No doubt. We need those seasons of rest. Those Sabbath moments. But you don't have the liberty or the luxury just kind of, I'm out. Done. No, no, that's not the way God has called us to live. Maybe what happens is that you've lost sight of the larger goal that we get to return to him what is already his. What happens is we kind of get worn and caught up and kind of drugged down in the details or the processes of ministry. So much so that we can neglect our relationship with the Lord. So there's the freshness and a newness. If we neglect our relationship, we're relying on our own strength and not on the strength that God promises to offer. So what do we have to remember? We are simply servants who serve. We are simply givers who give, but we are to be fueled by prayer. How's your prayer life? first question the first question i ask anyone when they're dragging themselves in like i can't do it any longer and i ask them how's your prayer life how's your time in the word of god you do realize we are fueled by by prayer the the spirit of god and as i read just this week i love it a healthy dose of the word of god Think about that. Just as you get up in the morning, I had my little sliced fruit. Like as we get nourished physically to continue on, that's exactly what happens when we go to the Word. We go to the Lord in prayer. We need a heart that is filled to overflowing with deep love for God. And we quickly realize what? It's not in our strength. I don't have the strength. It's in His and His alone. Lastly, consider opportunities outside your comfort zone. Man, you guys are just jamming on me today. No, this is, this, this is what God calls us to. As you think about persevering in that way, take a moment to consider what God has done and is doing right here at Big Woods and the amazing opportunities. Whether or not it's specifically right here to the present kind of campus to the physical plant, to the buildings, or to the light, to the heat, or what, or consider missions, or maybe it's giving of your own time in serving in children's ministry, college ministry. I began to make a list, serving in areas of hospitality, giving rides, writing cards, greeting, serving on the tech team, youth group, setting up, tearing down. There are so many areas where we can sacrificially give and yet I think some of the most powerful ministries take place at Big Woods are not even official ministries. Like, there's no tagline for it. The, the, the powerful ministries take place when you open up your own home 
And you invite people to sit around your table and you offer them, you give to them. Here, have this meal with us. Dine with us. Powerful ministry takes place of encouraging one another. How about the ministry of like recognizing the person who kind of is awkwardly standing in the corner and you go and you invite them and talk with them, establish relationships with them. You go back historically, 2,000 years, God's people have faithfully served in the church and they have been driven by a love of the Lord Jesus Christ and a desire to glorify God. So historically, but presently, we think here, what? In our own midst, we have examples, decades, of people that have sacrificed. I think going way back the Simcox family and Art and Linda and Craig and Kimber and Zane and Sandy, just decades of faithfulness and sacrifice. And now there's newer ones. And praise God for the new families. But you do realize that there's a responsibility of a mantle that is slowly being passed for the ministry of what the local church at Big Woods for the glory of God is so much more in the future than what it was in the past. We are people who are to be driven to give because of the love that we have of the Lord Jesus Christ who has given to us in unbelievable, almost undescribable, unimaginable ways. That's the message and ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we are dead in our own sins, he said, I got you. I see you. I love you. And I offer my own son to die. Would you die? If called on, would you die for the work of the gospel? Would you offer your life for your brother or your sister in the Lord Jesus Christ? I, that, that's, some heavy, that, that's some heavy stuff. I get that. That's some heavy stuff. But may that be the level of our sacrifice, the passion in our hearts of the love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ and the joy, the joy that we, that, that we get as we sacrificially give in the ministry to one another and ultimately for the glory of Christ. And our Awana meeting is going to be five minutes late. Extend grace. Father, we love you. We ask, Lord, that you would work in our hearts. Allow this theme, these words to resonate. Not, not just for the next few minutes, but hours and days and weeks Lord, examine our hearts. Help us to learn to, to live, to serve, and to give sacrificially, just like you've done for us. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.